Don't you love awkward conversations where you know you're supposed to be saying something and you're just messing it all up? Well, you're no different. I do that all the time. <laughs> so today we'll be talking about though those conversations where it is really important that we keep coming back to it and uh, we learn how to truly be open with others as needed. Why don't we go ahead before we jump into our message and ask the Lord God to bless it with prayer. Let's pray. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. There's a man who wasn't doing so well, not so well at all, and he was being rushed off to the hospital in an ambulance. I mean, he was fine one moment, but the next moment, he's knocking on death's door. Thankfully, he had his wife right next to him, and as they were driving off to the hospital, he was fearing this is it. And so he opens up with a deathbed confession of sorts. So he turns to his wife and he says, dear, I I have to confess. I have to be honest with you. I have not been faithful to you and I need you to forgive me. His wife looks over at him and says, well, now that we're being honest, you should know I've known for a long time. And if we're actually going to be honest, you should probably know why you're here. I actually poisoned you. Confession. How many of you like to confess your failures and then hear the response? Obviously, I don't think by nature any of us do. I think, isn't that our fear that if we should confess to somebody our wrongdoings, our hurts, they're going to poison us in return? Or at least make us feel ashamed. We already feel guilty. And maybe there'll be more hurt. Better just to keep it all bottled up. I don't know if by nature any of us like to confess to others. I mean, but praise God, at least we confess to God. You know, we just did that earlier here, and I pray that it's a daily practice that recognizing we we sin against God daily, constantly, that we remember his gracious invitation. You can tell me. I already know. And all I want you to do in confessing is to remember my love. And it's kind of that truth. If if we don't think about how desperate we are for God's grace, we can take it for granted or think we don't even need it. So I I, I praise God that we are a people that know that confession is good, at least with God. But today we kind of wrestle with this idea, do I really need to confess to somebody else? Because if I do, they'll probably put me in an ambulance and it's not going to end well. I'll need a hospital or maybe I'll be looking at the morgue. I just am not comfortable with being open and honest completely with others, flesh and blood. So my opening question then is, what are we to think about confession? How good are you? How good am I at it with others? Is it really essential? I mean, maybe your mind when you think about confession goes to kind of an older practice. And we used to do this within our Lutheran circles, and some traditions uh, in the Christian church still keep it, but a confessional booth where you had an appointed time and you would go and you would talk to a priest and you would tell him your sins. And then you would hope to hear words of forgiveness. We don't do that anymore. And that, that might suggest, too, that we've given up. We don't even need to confess to each other. But don't make that mistake. There is a blessing. And there are times where it is good even as we confess to God, to confess to each other. We're going to talk a little bit about that 
And wrestling with this question, we're going to find from Scripture, it's a strange blessing. And as difficult as it is, oh, confession's good. In the right place, in the right time, because grace can be given. So let's take a look. Uh, Let's jump into a few passages to show that from Scripture, God's Word, He does desire that we confess. And it is always to rescue and save. It is never to condemn. The Proverbs 28, 13. Uh, This is in the Old Testament, uh, probably written a thousand years before Christ had come. We believe by the wisest of kings, King Solomon, the wisest of men. And you noted this, kind of the upside-down nature of God's kingdom. This is not how the world works, but this is exactly how God's kingdom works. He says this, whoever conceals their sins, whoever hides it away, tries to bottle it up, thinks they'll get away with it, uh, they do not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them, that one finds mercy. Or how about this, from 1 John 1, 8, 9, we read that earlier, an eyewitness of Jesus himself, flesh and blood, the Christ, his love, his grace, he came to this conclusion. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, oh, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confession's really good. But how about this one? James 5.16 to kind of take it another step further. James reminded us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The scriptures would encourage us not only to confess to God, but to each other. And that's a really difficult exercise. Again, we are so afraid, at least I am. So how do we get there? How do we take that leap of faith and trust God to say, when I need to, I will reach out to flesh and blood people within the body of believers and confess? Well, to help us, I think we need to have an honest look at ourselves. What do you think about yourself? What do I think about myself if I'm not just almost honest, but absolutely so? Would you say you're a sinner? If you're new to the faith or new to our context in worship here, this might be a striking thought like, whoa, sinner? Isn't that an archaic word? And I mean, is, is this a fire and brimstone kind of message? And are we talking about like repentance and I'm a miserable sinner? I, I, don't think I, I don't think I care for that kind of talk. That's not the purpose for stating it this way. The, the purpose, though, for truly being honest, as far as the scripture speaks, not like the world, is because in being humble, Truly seeing our desperate situation because we've fallen short, all of us, to God's will, fallen short of his demands, in confessing that we are truly sinful, that we see ourselves as desperate, then God can rescue. God can't rescue those who think they're healthy. God can't rescue those who are self-righteous, who think they need no saving. And by the way, too, I would hope as we wrestle with this, this idea, like, yes, I'm a, I'm a sinner, that we see that we've already practiced that and that you're in a community of believers that accepts you as just that, someone in need. We just confessed that, didn't we? 
early in the service. We have this tradition, this interesting tradition where we confess our sins privately to God so that you can hear grace. You did not hear me speak words of condemnation. No, but quite the opposite. I had the privilege from God's word, just a vessel for you to hear that you're loved. And that's the only way to be reconciled to God is to see his saving grace. And that can only be appreciated if we first start with our need. And since we do that, praise God. We publicly, regularly, weekly confess our sins and we receive grace. Do you ever think that could be a pattern for everyday life or at least it is to be? And I think this is the difficult thing. How many of us are comfortable of taking this practice of sin and grace and in our own individual lives saying, all right, I'm going to do that too. So that as a husband or a father or a friend, when I blow it with someone, when I hurt them, with my thoughts, words, or actions, and it's obvious that by the grace that God has for me, I can be strong and I can confess so that I might be reconciled, so that they might forgive. Are you comfortable with that? And are you comfortable with somebody in that situation who comes to you, who's hurt you, of being ready to forgive? See, this is why it's so important for us to think honestly about ourselves. Do we see ourselves in desperate need of God's grace? Maybe a few passages of Scripture to see, does, does this resonate with you and me? Just a couple, Psalm 51 and Psalm 103. Notice this is King David. Again, a man after God's own heart. Notice what his heart was like. He was absolutely honest with his need for God. He says this, Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Oh, for I know my transgressions. I know my sins. They're always before me. And against you, you only have I sinned, O God, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you're proved right when you speak and blameless when you judge me. And then he goes on to say in Psalm 103, same writer, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems, buys back your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Does that resonate with you? Does it resonate with me every day to, to really think, wow, Again, yeah, I blew it, but praise God, he forgives. It's as if it never happened. I'm so loved and so blessed and now so confident and so strong to serve him and to love my neighbor, whether they love me or not. What, what I'm getting at then, as we consider how much we're in desperate need of God, and how much he has so loved us. He doesn't see our sins anymore. Leaves it at the cross. And in that understanding, in seeing the love that we've been given, we are more inclined to give that love, especially to those that are hurting. So, so I'm kind of asking this question. When it comes to confession, other people coming to you, are you confession accessible? Do you so exude God's grace his love, his humility, his encouraging words that people would come to you if they had a problem, if they struggled with some kind of sin, even if they hurt you. Are you of, of such a loving nature, so moved by God's grace to you that 
it would be obvious. I can tell them, and I know, I know, as hurtful as it is, I, they will forgive. And they've got my back, and, and they'll be by my side. And we'll be reconciled. And, and we'll enjoy life again. That's tough. That, that, that's tough um, to be that accessible. And so here's the assignment, kind of an evaluation today. I want you to ask, ask someone if they perceive that you are approachable, someone to confess to. Uh, ask your spouse if you're married. Ask, ask your children if you have children. Ask a friend, do you see me as someone that you could talk to, even if there were hurts between us? Do you know I love you? Do you, do you know I would forgive? You just think about how important that is for a child. You know, children, right? <laughs> the Bible says their heart is full of folly. They're going to mess up all the time. They're, they're learning the ways of life, and they've got a sinful nature as much as we do. Uh, and in fact, th they, maybe they're more honest than many of us adults. They're just going to let you know how they feel. Wouldn't it be nice for every child to have a father or mother to, to sit down with them and say, you know I love you. Do you know that there's nothing you could do where you, and you know the first words out of my mouth would not be, well, how dare you? It would not be like, I'm so disappointed in you. Shame on you. How could you treat me this way? It would be, I love you. And you are forgiven. I forgive you. Jesus loves you. And yes, there are consequences, but we'll do this together. And we're going to establish these consequences to protect you, to help teach you. You don't want to cross those lines because if you keep doing that, oh, then there's only death and pain and sorrow. Let me protect you. But you know you're loved, always loved. How beautiful is that, that a child could be so moved by your love that they would readily confess. That's the goal. And again, to be moved by that, there's only one way. It's to understand how much God has really loved us, the debt he's forgiven, so that we can be debt forgivers for others. You know, again, I, th I think about that parable in Luke 18. I think about Jesus saying two kinds of people went to church. There are the Pharisees. Pharisees were the self-righteous. They, they, they projected themselves as the ideal of perfection. They had no need for grace, no need for confession. And they prayed, God... I'm so thankful that I'm not like any of these other people. Terrible. Jesus had the harshest words for them. And then in the back, which, by the way, I, I think we kind of have this practice. I noticed, do you notice how we sit in church? Usually we sit in the back first, these poor people up front. They had to sit here probably because everybody else was already sitting in the back. That's very much like the tax collector who wouldn't even look up to the heavens, but understood his sin and said, have mercy on me. Jesus says, God has mercy on you. God forgives. He has so loved you. That alone enables us to love and forgive and to be confession accessible. So when you ask someone today, if you're confession accessible, brace yourselves. <laughs> they might not say, yeah, but they might. And praise God if they do. Praise God if you get an honest answer that says, yeah, I know I could turn to you. I know you love me. If they're hesitant, that's a growth opportunity. Keep at it and, and commit to loving like that. 
Because I don't think we say that enough. And then again, reflect on God's love. He has so loved us. That's how our relationship with God works. We can do the same for others. Maybe one last passage before we move on to the next thought about confession. Luke 7, 47. I kind of summarized the passage this way. But I love Jesus' words. He is so right. He always is. He says, those who have been forgiven much, they're the ones who love much. Those who know how much they've been loved and forgiven by God, they're the ones that you can turn to with confession. May we be people who know how much we've been forgiven so that we too can forgive. All right, but there's still maybe another half of the battle to get comfortable with confessing to one another. You, you know, you could be surrounded. And I do believe that 92 Ministry, St. Peter and the Core, we, we try to be a community where you could be honest and open. And you can confess in your small groups, with your pastors for sure, with other trusted Christian friends. And they're going to give you grace. And they're going to keep it at the cross and not gossip and slander. But even if you had a community full of what I would say Jesus is, <laughs> all around you, and you're caught up in something, and you're, you're like, you feel like the adulterous uh, woman that was there in the temple grounds, thrown on the ground, and everybody else was up, ready to cast stones at you. Even if you had your closest friends and family, Jesus to you saying, look, I don't condemn you. You're loved and forgiven. Now let's go and let's leave this life of sin. I still think we struggle to confess to others, don't we? Because we're afraid. We're afraid of the own, our own shame and guilt that we might put on ourselves. We might not be able to forgive ourselves. And so, to whom do we turn? I think that's a big question to answer for this one. Are you confession able? Do you feel like there is someone in your life where you could be absolutely honest with? When you would need to be? And when is that need? It isn't to confess any and every sin. That's not what we're saying. The vast majority of our failures, you can just bring to God and leave with God. But there might be times, in fact, there will be times when you are so stricken with guilt that even in a sermon you hear you're loved and forgiven, you might even confess to God and know you're loved and forgiven, but you can't shake that guilt. The answer is what James says. Confess to someone else so that through prayer you might be healed. There's nothing so liberating as to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and to have someone tell you, you are forgiven. You are loved. This sin need not control you. That guilt, that shame, we can put that at the cross. Are you confession able? The only way you'll find out is if you can find someone. And that's your other assignment today. <laughs> These are kind of tough assignments. Ask someone if your confession accessible and then find someone. I believe everyone should have a confessor, someone they can turn to, to just pour it all out. It isn't necessarily your spouse, but some fellow Christian that understands the grace of God. Do you have someone you can be honest with? I pray you do. If not, this community, this church is a place. And so whom would you look for? Again, kind of think back to our first thoughts. Those who know God's grace so well. Maybe look for somebody who's already said, hey, I'm an addict, and I'm so thankful for Jesus.
Look for somebody who you know, they have that humility. They, they just, again, they exude grace. Find somebody that you know will be honest, that you can turn to, and keep it in confidence, because not everybody can keep a secret. I can think of at least five people, but of course, in your small groups, I know there are countless here, but five pastors here, any one of them is ready and is willing and would love nothing more than to sit down with you and to let you know you're loved and forgiven with anything that you can't shake. And so that you can be freed from that. Uh, and to you know, prove that we are, as pastors, truly understanding of God's grace. I mean, think about some of the people among us who have really studied God's word and looked into the perfect image of God's law and should know firsthand how sinful we are. I mean, your pastors have an acute awareness of their own sin they can relate. And oh, by the way, there's nothing they haven't heard. We have heard so many sins confessed, and it is our privilege to say, God loves you. God died for that. You are forgiven. And, and so to, to prove how much your pastors are sinful, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up all the sins of Pastor Tim and then Pastor Jim. No, I won't do that. I'm just kidding. I did that in the first service. Pastor Jim was over there. He was like, What? You don't need that. You, you can just trust us. And I pray that we come across as accessible. But find someone. Find someone whose banner passage would be like 1 Timothy 1.15. This is what I'm talking about. And, and I think we pastors, we truly want this to be the banner for us when you see us. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I am the worst. It is so important to find someone that truly sees everyone else as better than themselves. I pray that you see that humility in any of the leaders of this church. I pray that we're people that are like that. And I know we are because we know God's grace. Friends, that's how we're honest. When we need to confess we find someone who's confession accessible. We pray that we are. And in that grace of God, we become confession able. So those are your assignments. Ask someone if you're confession accessible. Find someone to confess to when you need it. And here's an invitation. Any of us pastors, we're here for you. And then be blessed. There's nothing more joyful than to hear someone say, you're free. You're bigger. You're rescued. You're bigger than the sin. Enjoy the life God has given you. That's what we're about at 92. About being that honest. So God bless us to such an end. Amen.